Parashas Nikas begins with the famous story of the dreams of Parah. And we know that the dreams of Parah were something which even though he assembled all the dream interpreters of Mitzrayim and all the Tzachamim, no one was able to explain it. No one was able to understand it. Now, dream interpretation in the ancient times was a very important job. People understood that what they were being shown in dreams was something akin to prophecy, some kind of portent of the future. And therefore, they took dreams very seriously. And every king had his expert dream interpreters that they had trained and they were skilled in interpreting dreams. And yet, Pharaoh's dreams remained an enigma. None of the wise men of Egypt were able to understand them. That served as the reason why Yosef was raised out of jail and presented to Pari as being an alternative source of somebody who is able to interpret a dream. Now I've always had a question. Perhaps I'm overestimating the wisdom of the dream interpreters of Egypt. Maybe because of the benefit of hindsight, I'm underestimating the complexity involved. But it doesn't seem that Paris' dream was so hard to understand. A fat cow means a cow that had a lot to eat. A thin cow means a cow is hungry. A ripe wheat sheaf means lots of food. A dried out, uh, like small and shriveled wheat sheaf shows no food. What was so difficult to understand about Paris' dream? Not only that, Chazal and the Midrashim give us some of the attempted interpretations of the dream interpreters. And one said, you're going to give birth to seven daughters, and your seven daughters will die. And one says, you'll attack seven countries, and then they'll rebel. And I'm left wondering, why is that a more rational interpretation than what Yosef thought of? Is a fat cow more a symbol of satiation of food or of a country or of a daughter? Is a thin cow more a symbol of hunger or of losing a daughter or of losing a war? It seems that the dream interpreters seem to look for weird and wonderful interpretations when the simple interpretation seems to be staring them in the face. And if you're already on the question of dream interpretation, so likewise, you heard in the last parasha, the dream of the butler and the dream of the baker. And here too, it was a sign of Yosef's either divine inspiration or great genius that he could interpret their dreams. And I'm going to ask the same question. I'm failing to see what was so hard to understand. The dream of the, of the cup bearer of Paro was that he's going to squeeze the, gla- the grapes into Paro's cup. So he's showing very clearly in his dream, I'm going to be reinstated, I'm doing my job again. Whereas when it comes to the baker, so the Chavitz Chaim already pointed out that if the birds are eating the bread from the basket on his head, that seems to indicate that the person's not there. Because birds are scared of people. Even uh, something resembling a person, a scarecrow, is enough to chase off birds. And if there'd been a living person underneath the basket, the birds wouldn't have had the audacity to try and eat the bread. And if that's the case, it must be if the birds are eating the bread that the person's not there. Jesus said he died. So what's so complicated about the dreams? What needs 
a man of Yosef's understanding or as Paris says in admiration, a man that the spirit of Hashem rests on him. What was Yosef's genius in interpreting what seems to be very straightforward dreams? And if you already ask some questions, I want to ask one more question. This is not my question. The Ramban already discusses it. And that is, Yosef seems to have taken the liberty of expressing his opinion more than it was required. But Pirate asked Yosef was interpret the dream. And Yosef doesn't just interpret the dream, but he gives Pirate a whole lot of instructions that he needs to do. You need to gather food, you need to set up places to store the food, that will be food to eat afterwards. That wasn't what Pari asked him. Now it could be that Yosef was a Nidroid politician and he understood that if my usefulness to Pari is going to end when I answer the dream, I might get sent back to jail again. But if I can find myself some niche that I'm going to give myself a job to do, that Pari needs me, so then I've guaranteed my freedom. It could be, but it doesn't seem that's the case. Yosef was asked to interpret the dream and Yosef interpreted the dream. And if that's the case, it would seem that everything that Yosef told Pare, including the advice, including the instructions, was all part of the dream. And if that's the case, we left wondering where did Yosef see all that in Pare's dream? So Rabbi, I'd like to share with you a chiddush. I'd like you to explain what you, the genius of Yosef in interpreting all the dreams he did. But I want to base it on a principle that Ramchal says. Ramchal says a principle. And that is in this world, we know that there's t- different times, different periods. There's Pesach, there's Shavuos, there's Sukkot, there's Hanukkah. And they're not just times in the calendar, but there are different things that Hashem brings down to the world, which happen over a course of time. A concept of weeks, a concept of years, a concept of however much time there's going to be. But we know the dimension called time only exists in the physical world. In Hashem's dimension there's no time. Which means HaKadosh Baruch past, present and future are all present simultaneously, are all here in front of Him. In this world, things take time, so to speak, to play out. And there are different periods that the world goes through. But in Hashem's way of looking at things, you can see everything simultaneously. And therefore, by Him, you can see the Akeda, Tzis Mitzrayim, Matantar, the Khurban, the Holocaust, today, all at the same time. Because there isn't a dimension called time. Everything's here at the present. It's only in this world that things are folded through the medium of time and happen one after the next in chronological sequence rather than simultaneously. It's a concept to think about. It's a deep idea. There is a Kaddish Baruch Hu at the same second can see the entire gamut of events which happened in the human experience altogether. It's unbelievable. But we need to understand that's because HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't work in time. Only this world does. And now, if we understand that principle, then I'd like to suggest 
that Yosef's genius, or I'd say even better than that, Yosef's ability to interpret dreams was to understand a dream is a message being given from Hashem. And if that's the case, a dream is being given in the medium of how HaKadosh Baruch is going to show it. Which means, not necessarily the way that people start from this side and look at the dream from the perspective of a human, but rather it has to be understood a dream is a message from Hashem, and if that's the case, it's coming from the perspective of Hashem. And why is, what does this bring me to? A tremendous insight. And that is, there's no passage of time in a dream. If a person dreams something which is going to take a long time, there isn't the medium of time in the dream. A person dreams the presence. Where he experiences what he sees at the time. And if that's the case, how is Baruch Hu going to show time, the dimension of time in a dream? And the answer is, and this again was the Siyad Dishmaya. Yosef understood. He understood that the repeated object in a dream means that this has been decided to happen a number of times. And therefore when seven cows emerge from the Nile, they aren't they seven not seven different entities. It's seven times the same. And therefore each cow is representing a time period, not an object. And if after them another seven cows come over the river, then same thing over here. Each of these cows is representing a time period of the same, not a different object. And the reason is, is because in Hashem's way of looking at it, it was decreed famine in Egypt, and then again famine, and then again famine, and then again famine. And if they decrease each year, so it means it was decreed seven times that there should be years of prosperity, it's been decreed seven years of famine. Each of the objects represents a decree, but they bring a time frame. And this was the this was the depth of understanding that all the Chachamim of Mitzrayim didn't understand. They thought seven cows mean seven objects. So what can a cow refer to then if it's an object? Maybe seven countries, maybe seven daughters. There are other interpretations as well, but they try to understand the cow as a symbol for another object. The sheaf of wheat is a symbol for another object. And that's why they couldn't come to understand the interpretation. And Yosef's Chiddush was that you have to add the medium of time. In a dream, a person can't see time. You can see seven cows. But understand, each cow is a gzera. It's a gzera of a fat cow. And this gzera is going to repeat itself seven times. Which means seven years is going to be a gzera, there's going to be a decree of satiation, of plenty of wealth in the world. And each thin cow also represents a concept in time. Each thin cow represents a year. And that's the case, it was ne- it's been decreed in heaven seven times that they're going to be thin cows, which means seven years there's going to be famine. And what seems to us like a small point, this was the pr- primary chiddish, the breakthrough that Yosef introduced to them. That is, objects in dreams represent time. And he says this. Now that we've woken up to this understanding, let's look at the words Yosef says. The very first words he tells Parah after hearing the dream. And he says, Hashem, Hashem is telling what he's going to do. 
and therefore understand it how Hashem is it, how Hashem is showing it. And he says, Sheva Paris Atavis, Sheva Shanim Hemo. The seven fat cows are seven years. The Sheva Ashibodim Atavis, Sheva Shanim Hemo. And the seven fat sheaves are seven years. And in the next pasuk, The Sheva Paris Arekos Varois, Sheva Shanim Hemo. The seven poor cows are also seven years. The Sheva Ashibodim Arekos, Stufus Agoim, you Sheva Shneerov. And the seven wind beaten and shriveled sheaves are also seven years. Yosef goes into great detail on this point. Not yet what the words represent. Understand, cows mean years. Objects in the dream show a repetitive gzera in Shemaim. Objects can translate into time. This was Yosef's Chiddush. This is Yosef's genius. This was the Siyat of he had to understand. Look at it from Hashem's perspective. And from Hashem's perspective, he's showing what he's going to do. But by Hashem, it doesn't take time. He's showing you the gzera. And if we understand this, then we understand, let's look back now to the previous dreams. The dream of the battle, the dream of the baker. And the dream of the battle was, you see, I saw in my dream, and I saw a grapevine. And from this grapevine, there were shloshes serigin, three branches, and they were growing. And the grapes ripened on the grapevine. And then I took Paris cup, and I squeezed the grapes into Paris cup. And here also, Yosef's answer to him, Yosef's interpretation, the three branches which are growing on the grapevine represent time. They represent three days. And therefore you should know in three days you'll be reinstated. And then again was the Chiddush. The main part of the dream we saw was these three branches growing on the grapevine. After he came and squeezed the grapes into Paris cup, what are they meant to represent? They're not three objects. It's a concept of time. Just like grapes, uh, the symbolism was that just like the grapes take time, so to speak, to ripen until the person can squeeze them and produce grape juice. Same thing, yeah, the battle is being shown. There's a concept of time until you'll be reinstated. The grapevine is growing. But how much time is it? So if there were three branches on the vine, it means it's three units in time. And that's why Yosef told him, in three days' time, you'll be reinstated. Now let's look at the, the baker's dream. Here also. In the baker's dream, he says he has three baskets on his head. Now if you look closely in the postbook, and this is a point which is often overlooked, only the top basket had bread. The other two baskets were empty. And he says that clearly. Let's read the postbook together. He says, he says in the baker's dream, he says, he says, There were three reed baskets on my head. The top basket had the food. The middle two baskets were empty. What's that meant to mean? If it was just an idea that he's carrying bread on his head and the birds are eating the bread, so then he only need one basket. What's the meaning of the two empty baskets? And here also, Yosef comes with the same understanding. Objects mean time. If there are three baskets, it means there's three periods of time. And what's the significance over here? That there was a stage where the baker carried the bread of fire. But there's two empty baskets under that. Which means, that was something which happens. That he carried Paris' bread. After that, 
He's not carrying Pari's bread. And after he's not carrying Pari's bread, they empty baskets. And therefore, Yosef says, if there are three baskets, it means the concept in time. And in that amount of time, you're going to lose your job as carrying Pari's bread. Three baskets represent three days. So the first point we understand, and this is maybe the paradigm shift that Yosef taught them, and that is, time in the dream is represented by different objects. Because it's like someone who knows he sees things in two dimensions, and suddenly is introduced to a third dimension. How is he going to see that? Same thing, a dream shows a vision. But one has to understand that time is being shown in the vision too. Not because one can see a passage of time happening, but because the repetition of an object means it's going to happen again and again. That's Hidya Elikim. That's what Hashem is showing you. Yosef needed that introduction. Because he said, it's not the way you look at it. You see seven cows, you think seven things. That's the way the wise men of Egypt thought. But rather, Hashem is showing it from his perspective. And in his perspective, he's showing, I've been going there seven years of famine. I've been going there seven years of plenty. But now this is just the starting point. This is the first point of understanding Yosef's character. But now let's get to the second point, and this is even more fascinating. And I'd like to suggest the second Kiddush. And that is, if that's the case, if cows represent yours, then let's look at the dream again. The seven fat cows, the seven thin cows. And the seven thin cows eat the seven fat cows. And let's remember, it doesn't happen in one second. Because each cow represents a year. Which means, for seven years, thin cows are eating fat cows. Each one is a year. So each thin cow eats a fat cow represents a year. And how does that make sense? If the seven thin cows mean seven years of famine, so how are seven years of famine eating seven years of plenty? Says Yosef, I see what Hashem is telling you is that you have to prepare food in the years of plenty so that there will be what to eat in the years of famine. And it's not that the seven years of famine came and immediately the, the, the goodness was forgotten. Each cow ate a cow. Each year of famine is eating a year of plenty. And therefore the eight is Prepare food in years of plenty for each of the seven years of famine. That way there'll be what for, there'll be what for the, there is there'll be food for the thin cows to eat for seven years. For all the seven years of the thin cows, they'll be eating. They'll be eating fat cows, which means we have to prepare food that in those seven years of famine we'll be eating from what we had in the years of plenty. And therefore, Yosef's continuation, explanation to hoard food. To be used for years, to be used for years of famine, wasn't Yosef's added information or advice. It was the interpretation of the dream. The dream didn't just have seven fat cows and seven thin cows. It showed the thin cows ate the fat cows, which means what needs to be done in those seven years of famine is to eat the years of plenty. But once again, if one thinks of them as just a unit. So in one second, the, the famine starts, the, 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 the plenty and the abundance gets forgotten, so they all get eaten in a second. That's not the interpretation. Each year eats a year. Each cow eats a cow. 
And this brings me to a third, a third level of understanding of the dream. Let's look closely at the words of Paro's dream, and I think together we will see two very fascinating insights. The first one is if we look at the way Paro had dreamed, there's an unnecessary piece of information we told. The dream says Paro saw on the banks of the river, and he saw seven fat cows emerging from the river. And then after that, he saw seven thin cows emerging from the river. That all the cows stood next to each other on the banks of the river. So we have 14 cows on the banks of the river. Seven fat cows and seven thin cows. Then, the next passage says, the thin cows ate the fat cows. What's that extra point? That extra point that the thin cows and the fat cows all stood together on the banks of the river. What's that meant to mean? It wasn't just that thin cows eat fat cows. And remember, we're talking in time. Which means, it's not just that in the seven years represented by thin cows, they're eating from the seven years of, pl of plenty. But rather, they all stood together. How can that make sense in time? How can it be that the fat cows representing the years of plenty and the thin cows representing the years of famine are going to land, stand together on the riverbank? And what's even more fascinating is in the second part of the dream, where he talks about the seven fat sheaves and the seven shriveled up sheaves, he doesn't mention this point. Then the first seven sheaves grew, the seven fat sheaves grew, and afterwards the seven thin sheaves grew and ate the fat ones. But there there is no indication that they stood together. It was one after the other one. This is very intriguing. What's the difference? There's another question we can answer to ask as well. When it comes to the sheaves, so when it talks about the fat sheaves, it says, and I'll read the passage inside, it says, Vihinei shibalim, seven sheaves alois grew, bekane achas, from one stem. The seven fat sheaves all grew from the same stem. Whereas when it comes to the pearly, the shriveled sheaves, it doesn't say that. It says seven poor sheaves grew, but it doesn't say they grew from the same stem. What's that meant to mean? So I'd like to suggest a step further of how Yosef understood the dream. What's the difference between dreaming about cows and dreaming about sheaves of wheat? Yosef himself says they're both coming to represent the same thing. And the answer is it's true. They both came to represent the years of plenty followed by the years of poverty. But one is regarding people and one is regarding animals. The fat cows shows the animals will have a lot of food. The fat cows will be well fed. The poor cows shows the animals will go hungry. The cows will have nothing to eat. The second dream of sheaves of wheat is what people eat. And therefore, plentiful sheaves bursting with wheat grains shows plenty for people. Shriveled wheat, dried up wheat sheaves shows people will be hungry. And therefore, Yosef understood that this famine has two aspects to it. The one is that there's going to be a famine for people, and the other one is going to be a famine for animals. The people will be hungry, the animals will be hungry. Why does it need to be shown twice? It goes 
would make sense that if there's no food, the people and the animals will be hungry. And if there is food, then they'll both be well fed. Hashem is showing two different things. The message is the same. But Hashem is showing two different things. One is He's showing the, the plenty and the poverty for the animals. And then He's showing the plenty and the poverty for the people. What Yosef understood from that is there must be a difference. And the difference is, in the case of the animal, all 14 cows stood together on the banks of the river. We don't find it by the sheaves of wheat. What's that meant to me? Remember, we're talking in time. So, I can tell you what Yosef understood, but what I'd rather show you from the Psukim, later on what happens, we see something fascinating. We see that the poverty of the famine, the need for food wasn't just in Egypt. It extended to the whole world. The Apostle says, From all over the world, people came to Mitzrayim to buy food because no one had food to eat. No one had food to eat. Not in Mitzrayim and not in any of its neighboring countries. And we see, in the next verse, that the famine was so bad that the Mitzrayim themselves came crying to Yosef for food and Yosef said, come buy the food. So within a year, they had given up all their money to buy food. And they come back in the second year. And they say to Yosef that we've, we, we, we're hungry, we have nothing to eat, and we've already given you all our money. So what do we do now? So the next answer, the next step was, Yosef tells them that bring your animals, and I'm going to give you food for your animals. And in that year, Yosef had acquired all the animals of Egypt in exchange for food. And in the third year they come back, and they say, we have nothing left. Buy us the slaves and give us bread to eat. You won't die. So Yosef does that too. So we see the severity of the hunger was such that people had nothing to eat to the extent that they were going to sell their possessions, then their animals, then themselves as slaves. Now, let's stop the story there one second. And that is, there wasn't food for people to eat. They were going to sell everything for food. They sold their animals. What were the animals eating? What were the animals eating? So we come to an amazing understanding. And that is, in Mitzrayim, there wasn't food for people, but there was food for animals. And therefore, they didn't have a problem with the animals they're going to eat. Yosef didn't have a problem buying all the animals of Egypt. How's he going to feed them? Because there was animal food. There wasn't food for people. But, that was only in Mitzrayim. In the rest of the world, the famine was more severe. There was nothing for people to eat. There was nothing for animals to eat either. How do I know that? Because it's first in the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, that when Yosef's brothers came to visit Paro, so what did they say to him? I'm reading it's a Pasuk Memzain, Perik Memzain, Pasuk Dalet, 
And the brother said to Parva, You've come to sojourn in the land. There's no pasture for your, the, your servant's flocks in Eretz Canaan. Because the family is more severe there. And therefore, Let us sit in the land of Goshen. What would that help? They brought their flocks from Eretz Yisrael to Mitzrayim because there's nothing for the animals to eat in Eretz Yisrael. And what are they going to eat in Mitzrayim? So here we see, there was pasture in Mitzrayim. In Eretz Goshen, there, there, was, there was, even in the famine, there was food for the animals to eat. In other parts of the world, the famine was more severe. In other parts of the world, there was no animal food either. But in Mitzrayim, there was food for animals. The, fa- the famine in Mitzrayim was only felt by the people. Yosef understood. Let's go back to the dream again. Yosef understood. That's what the dream was showing him. And that is, there's, there's going to be a, the seven fat cows and the seven thin cows are going to stand together on the banks of the, mid- of the yard then. Which means, in the time, remember, cows represent time. The time of the seven thin cows, there'll be fat cows too. It's not that it's either one or the other one. They'll be both. They'll be thin cows, they'll be fat cows. And then he understood that that means that even during the years of the famine, the overlap, the years of the, 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 years of the famine plenty for cows overlap each other. There'll be a period where there'll be fat cows and thin cows. Which means there'll be some places in the world where in those years of thin cows, of famine, there's going to be fat cows. There's also going to be those places where animals have food. And in those places where there are thin cows, where the animals won't have food. Not everywhere is going to have suffered a famine that there's nothing for the animals to eat. Whereas when it comes to the sheaves of wheat, they never overlap. There's seven fat sheaves and then there's seven thin sheaves. The seven years of plenty, everybody will enjoy. The seven years of famine, no one will have food to eat. And that was the difference. In other parts of the world, there were thin cows as well. Which means, there was nothing for the animals to eat. The animals weren't hungry. In Mitzrayim, we don't find that was the problem. The animals had food. The brothers even brought their cattle from Eretz Yisrael to Mitzrayim because there there was food for the animals. This brings us to another fascinating point. And that is, Yosef spends seven years storing food for people. Why don't he store fodder for the animals? If he's making this in the colossal project to store food for seven years, why don't he store, store animal food too? And the answer is, he didn't need to do that. He saw in the dream that the, the animals the, in Mitzrayim will have food even in the years of the famine. It was only the people who needed the food. And that's the case. Let's go to the last point. When he saw the sheaves of wheat, which represents the the gzera for people. So it says when he saw the seven healthy, fell, fat sheaves, they all grew bakana echot. They all grew on one stalk. Whereas when it came to the, came to the thin, dried out sheaves, it doesn't say they grew on one stalk. And this is something which the Midrash tells us. And that is, during the third of the seven years of famine, after two years, Yaakov Avinu comes down to Mitzrayim. And he visits Pari. And he gives Pari a bracha. And that ends the famine. 
As I mentioned, said that the, after Yaakov Avinu died, the famine came back again for the remaining five years. But what we see is, is that what is being shown is that the years of the famine weren't consecutive. They didn't suffer all seven years in one go. Whereas the years of plenty were consecutive. And that was shown in the dream too. There were seven sheaves growing from one stalk. The seven years which all come from the same place, they're all connected to each other. They're going to be consecutive years of plenty. Whereas when it came to the seven years of the famine, so they weren't from one stalk. They weren't all going to be simultaneous years. There's going to be a break when Yaakov came down to Mitzrayim that the famine would be halted for a number of years in between. Perhaps you can suggest that was the godless of Yosef's interpretation of the dream. And I want to understand that critical elements. So we understand that everything is shown in the dream. We understand something else too. We don't think of Pari as the most righteous person. And yet, he's totally overcome by Yosef's interpretation. See a man who the spirit of Hashem speaks from him. Where did he see that? Maybe Yosef was just a more intelligent person. He had a better knack of interpreting dreams. There was such a skill. Where do you see it's Rechel And the answer is, what is a complete eye-opener to Paro, and to all the Chacham of Mitzrayim, is to see a dream from Hashem's perspective. Not the way people would think. To see it from Hashem's perspective. Therefore, Hashem's showing the dream is what He's been gozer. And if that's the case, there isn't a time element. Objects showing Xeris after each other represent time. That was something new to Paro. But you can see things from Hashem's perspective. And that's what brought him to realization. It must be Hashem told that to you. It must be you're a man who merits to have that connection to the divine. That you were aware of how Hashem works. Of how Hashem shows things. As indeed was the case. And that's why it wasn't just a regular interpretation of a dream. It's understanding the principle Hashem wants to show. We don't have time, but the other times when we see interpretation of dreams by Tzadikim follow a similar principle. Let me just conclude this year with one last example. Nebuchadnezzar's famous dream. He sees a Colossus, a model of a man with a head of gold, a chest of silver, a stomach of bronze and arms and legs of steel. And what does this monster represent? And again, it says that he asked all the dream interpreters of Babel. It was also, it was a skill. And none of them understood. What is this? What is this showing us? And the Neil's interpretation, which is famous, is it's a reference to the four Malchus, the four empires that are going to exist in the world. Now, an enormous person, a giant, represents a king, represents a leader, represents a powerful person. What was so hard to understand? To identify which the countries were. What is so difficult to understand that the idea of a colossus is a man. It means a leader, a powerful man. And the answer is the same factor. The four Malchus didn't live all together. They existed in different centuries. And if you're looking at this man, at this model, 
when is there going to be someone with a gold head and silver arms and iron body and when, where? It never, there's no such thing. The Chachamim were right. What Daniel saw is there's never going to be this man existing at one time. Malchus Bavel is the head. And years later will come the Malchus of Paris and Modai. And years later will come the Malchus of Yavon. And years later will come the Malchus of Edom. They're never going to exist simultaneously. They're never going to be in the same part of the world. They're never going to make up one man. Which is why no one else would think of that. So why is that the interpretation of the dream? Because it was Elohim, it was Hashem Yishai. Hashem was Gozer, they're going to be four Malchus. They're going to play out over the course of centuries. But the Gzair is already here. If you look at it from the perspective of Shemaim, then each thing represents a different era in time. But we're being shown it from Hashem's perspective. Hashem decided they're going to be four Malchus. This, this Colossus exists in the Gzair of Hashem. The way Hashem sees it, it's a body with all the different parts, making up the four Malchus which exist in the world. People will never see it like that. We see it as different eras in society with different civilizations rising to power. We would never think of putting them into one body because we see them as being separate. Separate because they exist in different centuries. Separate because we see them in different time zones. Whereas by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Gzaira doesn't take time into consideration. In you're being shown the Gzaira of history. You're being shown the Malchus which will ruin the world. In Hashem's way of looking at it, it all forms part of one whole. And that's why they can all form, so to speak, be built together to form one unit, one one vision of a person. Once again, it wasn't the godless of Daniel, it was this understanding of how the world works. Seeing it from Hashem's perspective can show what Hashem is trying to show, which people with Adrach Kodesh will never understand.